Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's up, everybody? So, the only preview that matters. We're finally here. The Clippers and the Suns. The best series of the first round, undoubtedly. No bias, of course. (laughs) But for real, though, I mean, the storylines in this series are endless. This is obviously part three of the Clippers-Suns playoff history. 2006, my first year as a Clipper fan. Um, The Suns gave me my first NBA heartbreak that year with Raja Bell. Fuck that fool. Making that corner three in game five. My seven-year-old self crying. And that began a long, long span of pain of the Clippers struggling and losing in the second round in the most unthinkable fashion year after year. Finally, we broke that curse in 2021 where we ran into the Suns again, a very different iteration, led by arguably the greatest player in Clipper franchise history, Chris Paul. The guy I looked up to when I was a kid, and we lost. And it was a Chris Paul masterclass in Game 6 with Davidze Zubats out, putting DeMarcus Cousins in the pick and roll that ended up being our downfall. But we were never expected to win that series when Kawhi Leonard went down. Now we get Kawhi back, but we don't have Paul George. And the Suns now don't have Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, but they have Kevin fucking Durant. So... The odds are absolutely in the Suns' favor, but besides that storyline I just said, you know, obviously rematching them from two years back, the Clippers have never lost to any franchise three times in the playoffs. This would be the first one if they do, so we need to fucking win this series. And then we have only lost to one individual player three times in the playoffs, and that's Boris Diaw. Kevin Durant has a chance to be the third. Obviously, we lost him in 2014 with OKC and 2019 with Golden State. But in, And also, before I just continue with the series, Westbrook versus KD, is there anything more to be said there? That's going to be popcorn, must-see TV, first-time matching in the playoffs since their departure seven years ago. And then Chris Paul versus Russell Westbrook, you know, two of the best point guards to many people's eyes of all time, but absolutely of the 2010s. And then you have the Kawhi Leonard-Kevin Durant angle. Two of the best small forwards to ever play. Two of the best players of the last nine years in the NBA and of this generation. So, so many storylines. And this is the only series between two teams with real championship aspirations. Now, I understand that, you know, I don't mean any disrespect to the Sacramento Kings or the Memphis Grizzlies, but they're just not winning the championship. And obviously only one team wins the championship, but people are not picking those teams to win the championship for obvious reasons. Going into the season, the Clippers were picked by many to win the championship. And right now, the Phoenix Suns are currently being picked to win the championship by a lot of people, despite the fact that they've only played eight eight games together with Kevin Durant. Now, in this episode, I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about this series. You don't need to hear from anyone else because 
Are you kidding me? This is LA Sports Channel, LA Basketball Channel. This is a Clipper channel. Not just Clippers, but a Clipper-based channel, as you know. That's my squad. This is year 18 for me, and no one knows this team like I do, in my opinion. And as for the Phoenix Suns, I've watched four of their games with Kevin Durant, so I have some insight on them as well. I'm going to be talking about what they need to do to beat us. So let's get right into it. For the Clippers, the most obvious thing, Kawhi Leonard needs to dominate. He needs to have a huge series. In my opinion, he needs to be better than any player on the court for both sides. Why do I think that? Because the odds are stacked against the Clippers. We are the deeper team, yes, but we are not the better team on paper. They have four star caliber players. They have two of the top three players in the series, no matter how you want to slice it, and they probably have fourth and fifth as well. I would assume they I, I, I think they do. I still think Chris Paul is probably better than anyone we have. Maybe that's a little bit of my CP3 bias talking there. But I got four of the best five players in the series with Phoenix. I think we need to have the guy that's number one in the series. Kawhi needs to be dominant. I think he's going to have to average 30 points a game, something along those lines. He's going to have to create good shots all series long, attract secondary defenders, just force doubles, force guys loading up, and playmaking the pick and roll. He's going to have to generate a lot of open looks. And in my opinion, if he's not the best player in the series, we're probably not going to win. Because I'm, I'm you, saying these predictions with the assumption that Paul George doesn't come back. And look, obviously Paul George coming back would be great. But there is a chance, you know, depending on how the series goes, if Paul George comes back, will that kind of screw up what we've got going if something is going well? Because at the end of the day, he's not going to be 100% coming off this injury right away. You know, the latest we have on him is that he was shooting standstill jump shots in practice the last two days. That's a great sign that he, at least he's back on the court. He's shooting the ball. But that's very different than running five-on-fives at this kind of level against this kind of opposition. But let's just go with the assumption that he's not playing. Kawhi needs to be a beast. And mainly, more than anything, he needs to do two things. One, he's going to have to guard a little bit. And what I mean by that is, yes, he's a good defender. and He's been playing good defense all year. His help defense and all that. But he's going to have to guard elite players in second halves here and there. That means Devin Booker. That means Kevin Durant. I know there's going to be reservations because of how much he has to carry offensively, but he's just going to have to do it. This is what the all-time greats do. And if Kawhi's an all-time great, he's going to have to do a little bit of that as well. I'm not saying he has to guard Kevin Durant or Devin Booker from the first quarter to the end like he was doing against Doncic in games 6 and 7, but he needs to be able to guard them and guard them as a primary defender to start possessions later in games. They're not going to put him in the action much. You're not going to want Kawhi to switch on to you, preferably. So... Yeah, I would, if I were the opposing team, I would keep Kawhi as far away from the action as possible, tucked in the corner, whatnot. But Kawhi, the main thing besides defend, he needs to close. There are going to be close games in this series. It's the stars who close games, not the role players. The stars have to create for the role players. All season long, us Clipper fans were making excuses about Paul George and Kawhi, the late game execution. They play just iso ball. The fact of the matter is teams know what to do against the Clippers and that switch everything and make Kawhi and Paul beat you off the bounce. And that's when the problems come. They don't attract two defenders. We're not going to get open shots. When they do attract two defenders, that's when the ball starts moving. So Kawhi Leonard, in my opinion, needs to be the best player in the series. As for the others, the role players are going to be huge. We are a deeper team than Phoenix. We're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. It goes hand-in-hand with what I said about Kawhi attracting secondary defenders. Also goes for Westbrook. Create open shots. The role players got to knock down open threes. That means Nicholas Batum, Norman Powell, Eric Gordon, you know, even Russell Westbrook to a degree, Kawhi Leonard, Bones Highland if he gets a run, and, of course, if he gets a run, 
Robert Covington and also Terrence Mann, who's had his, a really good season from three. But that's a blatantly obvious thing. I think we're obviously going to need our role players to make shots more than they're going to need theirs because they have two guys that are capable of averaging 30 in the series. Not scoring 30, but averaging 30 in the series. So as far as offense, they're going to be set. It's us with losing Paul George that are going to be at a big disadvantage. Obviously, Paul George does great things defensively as well. But offensively, you know, yeah, you can argue the ball may move a little bit better without Paul George, but... When push comes to shove, you're going to have a lot of isolation ball, a lot of switching on the other side. You got, you're going to need guys that go get buckets. You're going to need stars. The playoffs are about the stars, and we're lacking one right now with Paul George out. But somebody that's going to have to step up, and the guy that I believe is going to step up in terms of being the secondary scorer is not going to be Russ, but Norman Powell. I think Russ will have games where he's the second leading scorer, but Norman Powell, considering the last three games of the regular season, he was just phenomenal, and he started to find his groove coming off the shoulder injury. He was the leading scorer off the bench this season for anybody. He is amazing going to his right. He's a great finisher through contact, and he's got the best whistle in L.A. County. Now I'm a little concerned that in playoff basketball, they're going to swallow the whistle, and his foul-baiting tactics are going to bite him in the ass, and he's going to look stupid. I really hope that doesn't happen. I hope they... I, Hope they still keep being generous with the whistle, but Norman Powell needs to continue to attack, and one thing he hasn't been doing is hitting the three ball. He's only shooting 24% from three in the last 10 games, even though he shot about 37, I want to say, for the season. I got it up right now. 40% from three in the season, but he's only shooting 24% from three in the last 10 games. So he needs to get back to shooting at least 35% for me. As for Russell Westbrook, this is obviously a huge series for him. In my opinion, he hasn't had a good playoff series since 2017, his MVP season, but the expectations on him now are different. Look, if Russ is having a bad game, I think Ty Lue has shown that he is very capable of sitting him, and Russ is very capable of accepting that and being a good sport. But in my opinion, if we can get a very good Russell Westbrook, a good Russ, his first good playoff series since 2017, we have a great chance of winning this series. We have seen games still where Russ can play at an all-star level. And if he can play at an all-star level, outplay Chris Paul over the course of this series, we got a good chance to take this series the distance. Now, what I want to see is a lot of screener Russ. Russ has shown more willingness to be a screener with the Clippers. He's really good making decisions out of that short rule. And, you know, when Russ is going downhill in space, good things usually tend to happen. So I want to see Russ screen a lot, especially if Chris Paul's guarding him, put CP3 in the action. And then something that we've also seen more of, you know the other team is going to sag off of Russ all day long. He has shown more willingness to move without the ball and cut. So Russ needs to cut. He needs to screen. He needs to be active off the ball. And that's not just on the offensive end, but obviously on the defensive end. But I'm not getting into the defense just yet. In terms of Bones Highland, you know, there's a whole discussion about whether he's going to play. You know, Ty's shown that he wants to go nine deep. But with Robert Covington potentially being a better fit for this series and now rumors about Marcus Morris potentially coming back in the fray for this series, does that push Bones Highland out? You know, everybody knows that he's going to probably be targeted on defense, but he has shown the ability to be active defensively as long arms, get a couple of steals and not be the pushover that everybody thought he was coming to Los Angeles on that end. Definitely better than Reggie Jackson. And at times even better than Luke Kennard, but this is the playoffs. All your flaws come out in the playoffs is one of my favorite sayings and bones Highland could easily be targeted a lot. 
So in terms of lineups, one thing I just want to see is if Bones does play alongside, of course, Terrence Mann and or Russell Westbrook, the Suns are a slower team to me. You know, they're older. Let's see if we can push the pace and use the little bit of that youth that we have in athleticism to get up and down and take advantage of that and get some easy baskets because we've seen some some signs of Norm, Russ, Bones, and Terrence, you know, adding athleticism to our team, adding some speed to our team, and punishing teams in transition. So as far as offense, that's all I've got. I think you absolutely, if you're the Clippers, need to put Chris Paul in the action more so than Aiton. I think Aiton is a good drop defender. Actually, not necessarily because you want to put Zubats in the action in terms of setting screens. So besides Aiton, of course, the one guy you really want to put in the action is Chris Paul. Make him guard. You know, make him make a decision. Is he going to switch on to Kawhi Leonard? Is he going to show and recover? If he switches on to Kawhi Leonard, I'm liking our chances with that mismatch. So let's move on to the defense. Obviously, this is what's going to be important. What are we going to do defensively against Kevin Durant? Before I recorded this, I went and watched game one against the Celtics last year from Brooklyn. And I just wanted to see, again, get a refresher of what the Celtics really did. And from my memory, it was that they just loaded up heavily and sat at the elbow, sat on his spots. But it wasn't like that as much as I remember. What it really was, was the Celtics were switching one through five. Basically, everybody but Daniel Tice was switching on a uh, KD. Marcus Smart, Derek White, Al Horford, Grant Williams, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. So basically, everybody but Tice who's dropping was switching on to him. So think about it in the Clippers' perspective. Everybody but Zoo, and obviously Mason Plumley when he's in, who's going to probably be hedging and recovering, so if that's the case, if Mason Plumlee is going to be hedging and recovering, coming out to the level of the screen, he's going to have to have good rotators behind him because the ball is going to start moving. They're going to try to get those four-on-three situations. We need to run guys off the line. That means you probably want to play Robert Covington. You don't want to play Mason Plumlee with two, especially not three guards. But that's more on Ty Lue. I'm going to talk about him later at the end. But basically... What I saw was the primary defenders on KD were making it tough for him to the point where he was now focusing so much on keeping his handle alive, trying to get a clean look off that the well-timed help was coming and he didn't really see it coming. When he's not worried about the primary defender in front of him, then he sees that secondary defender a mile away. But when you got a guy getting right into his air, airspace, showing that physicality, getting a little bit handsy with him, then KD has shown the propensity, even as his all-time great status, to get a little bit flustered. So what I think the Clippers need to do is, Nicholas Batum is going to start on Kevin Durant, I would assume. Kawhi Leonard's going to hide on a Kogi. Russell Westbrook will guard Chris Paul. And then Aiton will, Azu will guard Aiton. Eric Gordon will guard Devin Booker. Now, I know Suns fans are going to say, ha, 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 Eric Gordon on Devin Booker. Wait one second. As for the Kevin Durant thing, we're obviously going to switch Kawhi onto him if they put him in the action, which they won't. And besides that, we can't switch Zoo on a KD. We can't switch Eric Gordon, I don't think, but I would give it a shot once or twice. Mainly, here's the thing about Durant. You want to get into his airspace and make him beat you off the bounce. He's not the quickest in the world, and he loves pulling up for those contested mid-ranges. And for him, those contested mid-ranges are basically open-shot layups because he's 7 feet tall. But if you have enough 
guys with length and size and strength on him to get into his airspace, give him a couple of bumps, put a hand up, bump him off the ball when he's coming off screen so he's getting worn down over the course of a game and series, then you have a chance in hell. Because, you know, we've played against KD before, twice. And we didn't have defenders quite like Nicholas Batum and Kawhi Leonard and Terrence Mann and Robert Covington. Matt Barnes, bless his soul, was trying so hard in 2014, he was getting torched. And then 2019, we legit had Patrick Beverly guarding him. He was trying his best. You know that famous quote, we tried, he's KD, what do you want us to do? When he gets going, Kevin Durant, he's unstoppable. So, yes, Nicholas Batum is older. But he's one of the best shot contesters we've ever had on the Clippers. All he's got to do is get in his airspace, be physical, and contest KD's shots best he can. And we've got to live with the, the results. Ultimately, if Josh Kogi, by the way, is by Kevin Durant one pass away, I say we fully load up. Not double, but load up. Make KD try to make a decision whether he needs to pass or shoot over the top because I think KD is more uncomfortable with loading up, you know, taking a step off the, you know, taking a step off the shooters off the ball as opposed to hard doubles. I think hard doubles make the read a little bit easier for him and he's so tall he can pass over the top. Loading up, he loves to settle for those threes at the top of the key. If he really wants to dominate, he should go in the mid post and just turn around over guys over the top. But oftentimes, one of KD's weaknesses, in my opinion, is he stays at the three-point line and settles for that contested three. That shot's muddy for him, but at the same time, if you're the defense, you're taking that over mid-range. And Kawhi Leonard, one thing I like about him as opposed to KD, he seems to embrace contact and lean into the post game more in the playoffs, whereas KD... The more physical you get with him, the more he tends to seem to back away with the exception of that 2021 series against P.J. Tucker and the Bucks. But my point is this. If Shamit, you know, Okogi, these guys, even, I dare I say, Chris Paul, who I know is shooting a lot better catch-and-shoot-wise, but I would load up off these guys and then run them off the line. In Okogi's case... I would let him shoot the three. But in CP and Shamit's case, run them off the line. And CP3, the one reason why I'm not as afraid of him as a catch-and-shoot guy is not because he's not a good catch-and-shoot player. is because his release is slow. So if we have the length out there, and that's why I'm saying we need to really lean to Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum, even Rocco in this series, run Chris Paul off the line. Make him drive and make a play. Okay, because we need to just make these guys' life tough. Make them make secondary, tertiary you know, go to option B and C. But yes, sag off a of Kogi and load up off a of Durant with that guy. If it's Devin Booker out there, don't load up off of him. I would say stick to D Book and Torre Craig. You know, he's actually shooting 40% from three this year. So I would be a little bit cautious about loading up off of him. But that being said, I think the plan in this series is just make other guys besides KD and Devin Booker beat you. Yes, if Chris Paul and Aiton have a great series, we're in trouble and going to lose probably. But make Aiton be that aggressor because at times he doesn't want to be. And they don't empower him enough to me at times. But as for us, I would honestly, they're going to try to put Russ in the action, I would assume. Because the Clippers switch one through four. Zubats is going to be in his drop coverage. He's going to have to be in a more shallow drop. He can't drop too deep against Booker and, and Durant. 
But the biggest thing with our drop coverage is not Zubats to me. It's the guys fighting over the screens. Nico Batum, Kawhi, Terrence Mann, Russ, Eric Gordon, especially Eric Gordon against Booker. He needs to be in a stance fighting him and being the good version of Eric Gordon we saw defensively at times. The one we saw against Devin Booker last time that got us all excited about this series that he shut down D-Book and was insane against him down the stretch. Now, granted, that's not going to happen every game. That's probably not going to happen in a series like that. But if he can just, as I said with Nico Batum with Durant, make his life tougher. Terrence Mann is going to try his best to make their lives tougher as well. When he comes in the game, but besides those guys, I really don't think guys like Norman Powell should be switched on to these guys. Maybe Booker, but not Durant. No way. And the thing about EJ is in terms of you know potentially switching on to KD at times, he won't get bullied. That's why he's a decent guy to guard Booker. He won't get bullied. He struggles more with the quicker guard, the John Morant, the Aaron Fox, as those kind of guys. D-Book, Kevin Durant, this is the mid-range mafia team. You know they don't, They're not the quickest off the bounce. But as far as Russell Westbrook, I think one of his defensive strengths is he takes pride against bigger guys when they switch, when he switched onto them. So given his, he wants to say there's no animosity towards KD and there's not, but every time he plays against KD, he plays against him like he just fucked his girl or something. Like he is just on a mission. So I would have Russ guarding, I would have him switch, uh, actually switch on to Kevin Durant, believe it or not. Let, let KD go one-on-one against them and just see how Russ does. And if it doesn't work, same with Eric Gordon. If it doesn't work, then don't switch those anymore. Hedge and recover. We have no choice. But that's what the Celtics did so well. Is they had so many guys that could switch and so many guys that held their own one-on-one to the point where now KD was stumbling, fumbling the ball, and then guys were coming for the steals with timely help. But yeah, I would consider switching that. And also, in terms of the classic DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul pick and roll, I'm down for having Zubat switch on to Chris Paul because we saw him have some success there in the Western Conference Finals two years ago. And when he's in drop coverage, Zu does a phenomenal job of sitting on that right elbow that Chris Paul loves. Obviously, we have to funnel Chris Paul to his left. He is night and day going to his right as opposed to going to his left. We know that better than anybody. Zubats can sit on that elbow, but we need sharp rotations for Aiton rolling to the basket. And we also need guys getting over screens to just make sure Zubats doesn't have to guard two guys at once. Because I'm confident Zubats can step up in that elbow and take that mid-range away. But then Chris Paul can make the pocket pass, make good reads. And one play I saw that was really effective for the Suns against the Thunder in the game that they won. One of the only real tests they had. The only other ones came against Minnesota and at Dallas. So they really haven't played anyone. That's part of the reason why I wouldn't count the Clippers out in this series. The Phoenix Suns haven't actually been tested like that yet. They've never really hit adversity. The Clippers have with this team. So when if the Clippers start getting hot from deep in game one and the Suns are bricking and they finally start to feel a little bit of heat for the first time, no pun intended, because <laughs> yeah, they're in Arizona, we'll see how they respond. It's not like the players aren't individually battle-tested, but it's more as a team. And I'm not saying they don't get along. But, you know, they haven't been through all these situations on the court together. But my thing is this. You can switch Zubats on to Chris Paul, but can you switch Russ onto Ayton? He's a good post defender, but I don't know about that. Maybe test it out once or twice. If it doesn't work, play with that drop coverage. Make sure you have that rotation sharp. But here's the problem, and this goes back to the play I was just about to describe. They had CP3 and Ayton running that pick and roll with Kevin Durant in the weak side left corner. So when Chris Paul's weaving to his right, if that guy 
from the corner is coming down to help on Aiton because he needs to help, help help Zoo out, then that leaves Kevin Durant open for three. It's so hard to guard. So in a situation like that, that's why I say, you know, you have to have length on Chris Paul and obviously stay home on Durant and make it a two-on-two game. The thing is, you just have to fight over those screens, put some, like, a Nico Batum, or even if when Russ is in the mood, fighting over a screen on Chris Paul just being in his rear view, then Zubats doesn't have to step up so much because he has to worry about Aiton on that roll. But those are just some possibilities, you know, as far as our defense. Same thing with Devin Booker. You know, load up off of Akogi, even Shaman, in my opinion, and Chris Paul, especially Akogi. But you can't load up off of KD. Make the other guys beat you. As far as the matchups, I think Zoo and Aiton are obviously going to be guarding each other. Akogi and Kawhi, uh, Booker and Eric Gordon. I think Russell Westbrook. Well, obviously, yeah, as I said, we'll guard Chris Paul, and then Nico will guard KD to start the game. Clippers will probably switch one through four, and that's why I say let's see if the Suns put Russ in the action. But as I said, the Clippers can consider switching the CP3 Aiden pick and roll, the KD CP3 pick and pop, pick and roll, whatever, and, and Eric Gordon as well, just to see how those guys hold their own against KD and Aiden. Um, but they can't switch Zoo on a KD, so we're going to have to go drop there, and, and that's when... Nico Batum and Zoo. I'm actually pretty confident about that tandem defending the pick and roll. It's more about when Chris Paul is running that pick and roll with Aiton and we have KD in the weak side corner or Booker in the weak side corner. We're going to have to make a decision if we're not switching. So, you know, as I said, I want to make this Suns team rush and run them off the line. And a guy that's really good at that is Robert Covington. I think the lineup we've talked about all year, we can't play it because Paul George is out, but we've never seen it, is Rocco, Nico, Kawhi, Terrence, and Paul. We're not going to see that with Paul out. But if we can get Rocco, Nico, Kawhi, Terrence, and then one of Norm Russ or Zoo out there, I think that would actually cause the Suns a lot of problems. You know, but, you know, let me talk about what the Suns need to do in order to beat the Clippers. I would switch two through five on Kawhi. Everybody but Chris Paul. And what even Aiton. And what I would do is make Kawhi beat you off the bounce. Just like I said with Durant and Booker. Because Kawhi has shown that sometimes against centers, he can't even blow by anymore. Only the really slow-footed ones. Usually, no offense, but the white ones. <laughs> but the guys like Aiden, who are a little bit better on their feet, he's had some trouble. Kavon Looney, even. He's had trouble blowing by these guys. So I would step up on Kawhi, try to make him turn the corner. And with size, he don't he doesn't get those clean mid-range looks off the same way. Now, when Kawhi is hitting shots and he's in the zone, which he has gotten into a lot at times in the second half of the season, there's not much you can do. But if you're the opposing team, you just want to switch everything. Don't let Kawhi and like get into drop coverage, knock down mid-ranges, and become a facilitator and get everybody else going. I would switch very heavily on this Clippers team, make them play one-on-one because they have a t- we have a tendency to go super stagnant and make Kawhi try to beat you off the bounce and then stay home on shooters. So that's my my um, plan of attack in terms of Phoenix. Don't overhelp. Make Kawhi beat you because... Here's the thing. He has no Paul George to lean on. And given Kawhi's injury history, his durability or lack of it, he may get gassed at the end of the game. So make him beat you. Make him score 40. That's what I would do if I were Phoenix. Now, another thing, as I said, if the Clippers are going to switch one through four like they've shown they're going to do in the regular season, put Russ in the action and make him see if he's going to switch on a Durant. Same with Eric Gordon. Put them both in the action and see if they're going to switch. As far as Aiden, you have to keep him engaged. 
He has a tendency to go missing from games in second halves, and the large reason is because they go away from him. Now with Kevin Durant, it's going to make Aiton go down in the pecking order of go-to guys on this team. Make sure he is fed, especially on mismatches. I think the Clippers, if they're smart, as I said, will switch certain smaller guys on to Aiton to make the Suns go to that mismatch. If they do, they have to give the ball to Aiton, and he needs to be aggressive and get into his post bag. As far as Chris Paul... I think the key for him in this series is to not do too much offensively. Handle the ball and pick and roll a bit, but mainly he has to channel his 2011 Jason Kidd. Make your open threes and play good defense. Conserve your energy on offense for the defensive end. Because I saw a couple of games towards the end of the season. You know, I know everybody's criticized CP3 defensively this year. He's dropped off and all that. And you saw him get abused last year against the Mavs. But there, he still has games where he's really scrappy. He has those amazing hands that we saw in Clipper Nation for so many years here in Los Angeles. And he can also play above his size in terms of post-defense. However, Kawhi Leonard is not an ordinary post player. He's, in my opinion, the best mid-post player in the NBA today. So if I were the Suns, I probably wouldn't switch Chris Paul to Kawhi. But similarly to how I said with Russ against KD and Eric Gordon against uh, KD, give it a shot and see if it works. If it doesn't, then you hedge and recover. But that's the thing about hedge and recover. If it's Russell Westbrook that Chris Paul is guarding, if it's Eric Gordon, hedge and recover, that's a pick and pop action. Now you got Chris Paul working and I love the pick and pop action. So go to that a lot. Now I said the matchups for the Clippers. I think Aiton will guard Zoo. I think a Kogi is going to guard Kawhi or Torrey Craig, whoever they depend, whoever they decide to go with. I think Booker will guard Eric Gordon, but here's where it gets interesting for me. I wouldn't put Chris Paul on Russ. He's too slow and that's where he'll struggle. I would hide CP3 on Nico and then put KD on Russ. This is why. You have a seven-footer now that can sag off other guys and then recover and you know cover ground a lot easier. And if Russ passes up threes, which I love that he's been doing with the Clippers, by the way, passes up threes and attacks the rim, now you have KD that's sitting there as opposed to you know, Chris Paul, who if Russ catches the ball and Chris Paul's ahead of him in space, he's blowing right past him with a head of steam. With KD, even if he does turn a corner, he has the length to recover and potentially get a block from behind or something. So if I'm the Suns, I have KD roaming as a free safety off of Westbrook and have Chris Paul hiding on Batum. But that's why I say if I'm the Clippers, put Nico Batum in the, uh, or put Nico Batum as the screener, put Chris Paul in the action. I love Nico Batum in those short roll situations or pick and pop situations for threes. So, and Nico's three ball has been so up and down this season. He needs to have a big series, especially with what I'm describing, guarding KD and all these different things. So, as far as the guys that can guard KD in this series, I think only you know, off the bench, only Terrence and Rocco can attempt to do this. Nobody else bones Norman Powell Plumley, they cannot even take a snack, uh, a crack at him. Hedge, recover, go back to your man. Okay, as long as we force the ball out of his hands in that situation, I'm fine. But do not have KD go one on one against those guys, please. Same with Devin Booker. Although, actually, you know what, Norman Powell, I'll give him a shot on Devin Booker, but not on KD. And Bones Island, no way on Devin Booker. <laughs> but you know, I think if if your book in Kawhi's not guarding you. You have to have a big series. You know, KD is going to be getting a lot of attention. Devin Booker, for him to be a secondary player on any team in the league right now after being the number one scorer on a finals team, well, he needs to dominate. He needs to dominate. I think Devin Booker is the 10th best player in this league or 9th best player in this league. Straight up. I have him over Ja, SGA. Like, I have him over a lot of players. I think he's a stud. 
The Clippers did a pretty good job on him defensively two years ago. We had Patrick Beverly. Let's see how he does now. I think Book, you know, he does have a tendency to complain and sometimes get in his head a little bit. But I think he's a fantastic player. And I would also, if I'm the Suns, run a lot of KD and Devin Booker pick and pop situations, especially with Booker screening, because then that would put Eric Gordon in a, in a predicament of whether he wants to switch or not. So I would, I would run a lot of that. And I saw Devin Booker and Kevin Durant building that chemistry and starting to become more familiar with each other on the court as the season ended. So it's, it's dangerous, man. It's scary for sure. And then the last thing defensively for the Suns, funnel Norman Powell to his left. Funnel Norman Powell to his left as much as you can. He is so right-hand dominant, so I would ice every single screen if he's ball-handling in the pick-and-roll, which means force him to the baseline, have my big drop, and then focus on rotations and make him pass the ball. Um, because Norman Powell going to his left is totally different than going to his right. Going to his right is insane. Going to his left, he's whatever. As far as the curl play that Norman Powell comes from left to right, and, and he seems to score so many points on this per game, that dribble handoff action, if I'm the Suns, it's so hard to guard because a lot of times teams will try to switch this. But then Norman Powell, he's so good at turning the corner on their big man. It's you know he always gets and ones. What I would do is you can't overshow too early as the big man. So let's say you know your man is about to hand the ball off to Norman Powell. You can't jump out getting ready for Norman Powell to turn that corner because he, what Mason Plumlee or Zubats would do is fake the handoff and then turn and go. Now, if you want to let him do that and then bring a guy over from the corner to help and make them kick it out, that's a decent idea because at the same time, you're making the center put the ball on the floor and then kicking it out. But if I were them, I would shoot the gap and go underneath the screen with, uh, with Norm and make him, what Norm counters with that is he pops out for three. But considering he has shot 24% in his last 10 games from three, I would go under the screen and just sit on that right side, make him go back towards the left, and then pass it over the top as they go under the screen and make him shoot that three, or just drive to his left. Because even if you get beat, the primary defender gets beaten, the Clippers have no pick-and-pop bigs. So you can drop and then throw two guys at him as he tries to take the bump. Because what Norman Powell does when he go to his left, when he goes to his left, is he feels the hand check and he flails and throws it up. So if I'm the Suns, you go under the screen, he catches the ball for three, you put a hand up. If he tries to drive, just stay on his hip. Do not put your hand in the cookie jar. Hands up, big comes over to help, sandwich him right there and make him pass. Because the thing about Norm is he has a tendency to jump past in the key and only pass to the guy in the dunker spot, the big man rolling. He does not usually kick it out when he's in traffic like that. So I would crowd him last second just like that if I were the Suns. Um, as far as there was one more thing I had and I'm forgetting it. Um... Kevin, oh, if Josh Okogie's on the weak side and Kevin Durant's like in the mid post or something, absolutely load up, help off Okogie and make Durant make the cross-court pass. He's not the best cross-court passer in the world, even though he's gotten better at it. Make him make the cross-court pass. And when Katie's on the sidelines, I would blitz him in the pick and roll. When he gets a screen on the wing and he's on the sideline, like right out of, next to the out-of-bounds line, blitz him because he tends to panic in that situation. Um, I saw a little bit of that against Boston. So that's the only time I'd really blitz him. The other times you're going to blitz him is when Plumlee's out there. And then obviously the guards are going to hedge and then recover. But main moral of the story, 
try to get the other guys to beat you besides KD and Booker. I know it's so easier said than done, but you got to let's like make the role players eat and it, let the role players eat. And if they do and they make shots and all that, you got to shake their hands and say, good game. We don't have Paul George, whatever. As far as Ty Lue, no three guards. He needs to have a short leash with Mason Plumley, And I also think he needs to consider going small because, as I said, the Celtics' success was switching everything and making KD play one-on-one. So the difference, though, with the Clippers is we don't have the one-on-one defenders that Boston had. We don't have Marcus Smart. We don't have Grant Williams. And Jason Tatum, if you go back and watch the film, he was guarding KD every possession in the first quarter and first half. That's not going to happen with Kawhi, I don't think. So, you know, it. this all comes down to... The main question, overall, if anything, what Clipper team are we going to get defensively? We've been mediocre all season long. Some games we look fantastic. We run guys off the line. We're rotating sharp. We need to have that version in every game. If we don't have that, we won't win one game. So if they want to be lazy, not fight over screens, not give a shit like they have on many occasions this season, then they're going to get swept or losing five, but that's not going to happen. They can win the series, in my opinion, if they play with that kind of defense that I've seen them play. And that means point of attack. That means rotations, communication. But also Ty Lue empowering them and enabling them by putting the best lineups out there. So he needs to do that and consider going with the you know small ball lineup but with big wings. And speaking of big wings, Marcus Morris, you know, they ta- uh, Ty Lue said he has a role in the series. Now, that makes me think, were my sources wrong about the fact that he wasn't going to come back and all that? Look, I talked to people again today, and they said he really was mad. But, of course, remember, Paul George is out. As I said in the episode, the Clipper, Locked on Clipper episode, he may cool down. It takes time. And, look, I see what Ty Lue's seeing. He's thinking to himself, Marcus Morris is a bigger wing. The Suns are not that fast. Why not play him a little bit? But the thing I have, the, the concern I have about Senior is defensively, and he's not been playing good basketball, and he hasn't been playing for weeks. So I, I would prefer not to see him play at all. No, nothing personal. Legit. I keep having to say that. Nothing personal. I would love if he played great and, like, you know, helped us win the series and upset them. I just don't see it. But when Moak has rest, an extended rest, he has performed a lot better. And, you know, that sounds like anybody, you can say that about anybody, but no, Marcus Morris really has, you know, his knees are pretty shot. So... He benefits from the rest more than others. However, I hope to not see him in this series except for cheering on the bench because I just think we have 10 better players straight up and we need guys like Roko to run them off the line. You know, except, you know, running Katie and Booker off the line is annoying because they're so good in the mid-range, but basically everybody else. And look, you can run Katie and Booker off the line, but at least just have guys rotating and taking away their mid-range. They have to make an extra pass. But... Marcus Morris, he doesn't close out well. He's slow. You know, we need guys that are going to be fast and cover ground in the half court. Make the Suns make secondary, tertiary passes. So that's that's my whole thing on that. As far as the Clippers, man, look, I know this is going to be an uphill battle. Um, I haven't felt this way in terms of like a first-round series since probably 2015 against the Spurs. I'm probably less confident in this one. But I still got to pick us. Because I don't think that this Suns team, as good as they are on paper, you know, they haven't shown anything yet. They've shown that they can be a great team. But they haven't shown that they are a great team yet. So I'm going with the Clippers in seven, winning a game seven in Phoenix. And KD and CP3 and Books are going to choke. 
Aiden is going to get so much slander. KD is going to get a ton of slander. All of them will. It's going to be like last year all over again, but worse. Clippers are going to pull off the upset. because. But realistically, look, if I wasn't a Clipper fan, I'd say Suns in six. But I'm a, I am a Clipper fan. And I'm going to be at games three and six. Sadly, not game four prior commitments. But I know it sucks. That, this is the first Clipper playoff game I'm going to miss since 2019, uh, game six when I was in college. Um, but... Yeah, I, I want to just say something about this to Clipper fans, you know. Um, if we lose this series, in my opinion, it's it's a failure of a season, no doubt about it. Not because us, we lose to the Suns, but because we're in the position to play the Suns first round as a five seed who bullshitted the regular season. And look, this is it. All season long, you've bullshit this thing. You've said you don't care about the regular season. It's all about the playoffs, all about getting there healthy. Well, look, you failed. We haven't gotten there healthy. Our best, second best player is out. So medical staff, coaching staff, you all failed, okay? Because you know why? Because freak accidents happen in basketball. And as much as you load manage, Paul George is saying he doesn't even like load management. So you haven't helped him at all. You know, if anything, you've just hurt our team by costing us games. And now with minutes restrictions and all this nonsense, and now we still don't have Paul George. So shame on you. And then Ty Lu with his tinkering and shit. We lost so many games with his reluctance to pull Reggie and Marcus Morris out of lineups and stuff. His underutilization of Terrence Mann and Robert Covington. And then just the players' lack of effort on certain nights. So this is it. Playoff Ty, he's had a terrible season as a coach. This is where he needs to show why we gave him such glowing reviews the first two years because of the adjustments that he made in that 2021 run. Playoff Kawhi and playoff Ty, it really comes down to them two more than anybody setting the tone for the rest of the team. Ty with his decisions on who plays and his schemes, of course, and Kawhi Leonard's aggression and his leadership on both ends of the floor. You know, I'm going to be honest. It's not fun having Kawhi in the regular season. It's not. Compared to some other Clipper teams of the past, yeah, sure. But not more than Lob City, not more than 2019. Why is that? Has nothing to do with his game. He's an amazing player. He's the best player the Clippers have ever had. But you can basically pencil him in to miss 20 games per season minimum. He missed 30 this year. The whole load management thing, sometimes I really just don't know how much he cares about this franchise and the fans. I think he cares about winning and his career, but I don't really think he cares much about the fans and the franchise. I'm sorry, sue me. I don't. Um, he downplays everything about like emotional importance or relevance to franchises. He downplays it at all times. It's just a basketball game. Or I was really thinking about it. Or you just got to go play ball. I don't care about the conference finals, curse, whatever. You know, like he just doesn't seem to embrace the same things that Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and, and Paul George embrace. But it's okay. I mean, Kawhi is going to be Kawhi. He's still the best player that we've ever had. But the thing is this, as I said, I don't like having him in the regular season because the load management, the amount of missed games, but this is why it's worth it, right? This is why it's supposed to be worth it. Playoff Kawhi. All you guys that have more confidence in him than me, I mean, I have some confidence in him, but all you guys have more, he needs to do it right here. This is where he needs to get me to love him. I, I do love Kawhi, of course, but this is where he needs to get him into my top 10 Clipper list all time. He's not in there right now. He needs to get in there. And he needs to give us big, memorable playoff performances. And one thing I'm looking forward to, we haven't seen Kawhi Leonard play in front of a sold-out Clipper crowd yet in the playoffs. He's never done it because the only time was game six in the conference finals. He didn't play in those games. So this is going to be really fun for him. And I don't know how much he cares about the crowd. But for us fans, to see Kawhi Leonard, you know, going nuclear because, look, I've been to a couple games this year. And as I've told you many times, he started to grow on me in terms of, like, I build the emotional connection with these players when I see them live. It's not on TV. I mean, yeah, of course, I love seeing them on TV in the uniform, but 
I've my whole thing about being a Clipper fan is I get to go to games so much because it's so affordable. So seeing Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, seeing Katino Mobley, Sam Cassell, Tim Brand, Baron Davis, you know, Paul George last year, these build that connection. You know, it makes you feel like they're really not that far away from you. And like geographically, they're also not because <laughs> I know where these guys live. That's not weird. Their addresses are like, you know, their houses. People know what neighborhoods they live in. But as far as my point, Kawhi has had games this season. You can check the vlogs. I have a whole playlist of them where he just has stretches where he goes nuclear and doesn't miss anything. You know, guys draped all over him, step back threes, mid-ranges, just shots that, you know, guys like Kobe and MJ hit, and he's just not missing. And I guarantee he's going to have stretches in the series like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if KD guards Kawhi a lot. And I think he will because he now has Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and DeAndre Ayton to take a lot of pressure off, off of him offensively, similarly to how he had in Golden State. So I think he's going to guard Kawhi a lot and use his length to bother him because KD's a very underrated defender. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see Kawhi in front of a sold-out Clipper crowd. And I'm calling for the Clipper crowd, man. My last words are this. Clipper Nation... This is not going to be an easy series. The odds are stacked against us. But there's something about being the underdog that just is so right for the Clipper team and Clipper fans. I think when we lose hope, or I shouldn't say lose hope, but when we expect nothing, this team tends to give us everything. When we expect everything, this team tends to let us down. I don't expect much. I just want to see us compete. But I'll tell you what, man, when I don't expect much, funny things tend to happen. My last plea to all you Clipper fans is this. When we played the Spurs in 2015, I went to every single home game. And when those teams came out of the tunnel in game one, I noticed that there was a palpable feeling inside that building that we're going to need to do everything we can as a crowd to get this team over the hump in this series. And that's what we're going to have to do again this time. Against Portland and Utah the following years, we had this complacency as a fan base that we're going to beat this team easily in the first round. we become accustomed to playing first-round series. In 2019, half the building was flooded with Warriors fans and bandwagon Curry fans. In 2021, we didn't have a sold-out game in the first round. In the second round, we only had one, and it was amazing. But in the conference finals, I'm not going to lie, I think it was a letdown. Part of it was the 6 o'clock starts. Part of it was you know some Arizona fans, and this is going to be, that's going to be the case in Game 4, the weekend game next weekend. Game 3 and 6, not so much. If we get to a game six. But I'm calling on all Clipper fans, man. Please buy tickets. Please be extra loud. It needs to sound like 2015, 14, 12, and 13. Not 16, 17, and the conference finals. It needs to be uber ridiculous. I want to feel that place shaking again. I want to have the whole crowd on their feet in the second half. I want us to be loud from the first quarter on and into the second quarter. Not just when the game starts with the first couple possessions. Because they're going to need it. And I've been at playoff games where it feels like we're affecting the momentum and affecting the next shot. Clipper fans, please, let's do our best. That sea of whatever color shirts they give us, blue, white, put on your shirt, be loud, and help get this team over the hump. As my man Ernie says, laclipset.com, make sure you show, check him out and buy all the latest Clipper merch, including a shirt with my face on it. But he always says, be a fan, not a spectator. If you want to watch the games and just sit there and watch, please stay at home. There's a Clipper fan in the stands that want to scream their lungs out for that ticket. We need to give them all the support they can uh, get, just like against San Antonio seven, uh, eight years ago. So Clipper fans, get your voices ready. This was everything you needed to know about the Clippers and the Suns from both sides. 
Let me know what you thought. Make sure to follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at DimeDropperPod. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. And, of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And hit the notification bell so you know every single time that I will be posting a video and it's going to be every single night damn near in these playoffs going live after every single night of games, talking about every single game, every single team. And of course, this is your home for NBA, NBA history, and more than anything, LA sports and LA basketball content. The Clippers, the Lakers, and the LA Kings are back in the playoffs for the first time since 2013. And I hope... Yes, even the Lakers, because I hate the teddy bears. I hope they all win their first round series. It's going to be a fun time at the Staples Center. It's going to be a fun time to be an L.A. sports fan. Go Clippers. Go Kings. Maybe even both Kings.